You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Peter David, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Have a great day. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Findlay, and today I have an interview with Peter David. I got to talk with him in preparation for our Wolverine episode, Madripoor Nights, and we touched on his little uh, story arc, the Gehenna Stone that he did for this Wolverine solo series, um, along with a couple of other Wolverine appearances that he's written over the years. It was great to be able to talk with the legend like Peter David, and we, I hope you enjoyed as well. But before we get to that, I just want to thank all of the people who are Patreon supporters. Without you, we can't keep the podcast running, so I appreciate your support. Um, and those of you who do support us get access to a bunch of exclusive interviews. And unfortunately, I don't have any at the moment to, to share with you. Uh, the summertime has just been a little bit too busy. But once the kids go back to school in a couple of weeks, I'll be able to spend some more time editing these interviews that I have in my backlog, including some with uh, Joe Sinnott and Denny O'Neill and some other surprises. So hang on, they're coming. And in the meantime, head over to uh, patreon.com slash thunderquack. And uh, yeah, we appreciate your support. So enough from me. Here is the interview with Peter David. What were the circumstances that led you to writing Wolverine in the first place? Well, the first time that I can recall writing Wolverine was when he guest starred in Hulk number 340. Um, and the main reason that he guest starred in Hulk 340 was Todd McFarlane wanted to draw Wolverine. You know, I, I asked Todd what things would he be interested in drawing, and he was really big on the idea of having a Hulk versus Wolverine smackdown. And at the time, the X office was being very, very limited in terms of having the X-Men guest star in other books. They felt that Wolverine in particular had been seriously overexposed. But I went to the X office and I managed to work out a compromise where Wolverine would guest star in The Incredible Hulk, but it would be smack in the middle of the uh, storyline that was going on in X-Men at the time. So, you know, if you want to see what the X-Men were up to at that particular point in time, definitely go read X-Factor 340 because I have extensive story summaries. Um, I worked in conjunction with the X-Office and with Chris to make sure that I stuck very closely to uh, what was going on in the X-Books. From there, did that lead you, did you, that give you more opportunity to use him in the future? No, no, it was definitely a one-off. I mean, the, the, X, the X-Office you know, wanted to uh, play really close to the vest in terms of him doing guest appearances. I think, if I'm recalling correctly, I think maybe he was at, except I can't really recall, he might have been at the uh, at Rick Jones's bachelor party, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> Wolverine was not really, I really can't remember. 
uh, Wolverine was not really much of a frequent guest star in uh, The Hulk, which is fine. I mean, you no, know, he was busy with the X-Men and doing his other stuff. Right, yeah, they have their own separate worlds at this point, for sure. Yeah, although it's interesting considering Wolverine first showed up in The Hulk. So right. you would think if he's going to be guest starring anywhere, it would be in the book that, in which he originated. Now, then you got to write a storyline for his solo book, kind of pretty close to the beginning of his I solo wrote, book. I wrote... I wrote several uh, issues for his storybook, um, for, for his comic. I did a couple of one-offs. Uh, one of them was illustrated by Gene, I think maybe two of them were illustrated by Gene Colan, which was tremendously exciting for me because, you know, like any comic book fan who grew up in the 60s and 70s, I was a huge fan of Gene Colan's work, and now he's, you know, illustrating my stories, so... Yeah, of that's course. really one of the best things. That's really one of the best things in my career that I've had the opportunity to work at some point or another with all of the artists, uh, with the sole exception of Jack Kirby. I had the chance to work with all of the artists who I grew up reading and loving their artwork. So, you know, yeah, with John Buscema, John Romita Sr., uh, Kurt Swan. You know, the the guys who are at the top of the industry, Steve Ditko, I've had a chance to work with pretty much everybody. Um, and uh, then I did a six-part story. I was hired to do um, a story that I was told was going to be coming out on a bi-weekly basis, uh, which I called the Gehenna Stone Affair. And um, that was really exciting for me because I had never had a chance to do something that was going to be coming out every two weeks. And that really was uh, was an exciting endeavor. I mean, because because it was coming out every two weeks, I had a chance to do some things that I didn't ordinarily do. For example, issue two, I think it was, was a 22-page car chase. That's all that happened in the issue. It was right. a 22-page car chase. That's something that I never would have done in a book that was coming out on a monthly basis because I would have felt like, well, you know, they're waiting a whole month for this. I'm not going to spend 22 pages in the car chase. It doesn't really advance the story at all. It's just a 22-page car chase. But because I had the latitude of it coming out every two weeks, I thought, well, what the hell? You know, I'll, I'll spend I'll spend 22 pages in the car chase. And indeed, some fan came up to me at a convention with it, and he said, this is a 22-page car chase. And I went, Yeah. <laughs> And he said, well, why didn't you write that? And I said, I wanted to see if I could write a 22-page car chase. And the guy went, oh, okay, well, you succeeded, I guess. And I said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, Gehenna's Son Affair was, was an incredibly entertaining endeavor. The only other thing that I can recall, I did, I did a couple of things. I did a what was supposed to be a New Mutant graphic novel um, called Reign of Terror spelled R-A-H-N-E and Terra, D-E-R-R-A. Mm -hmm. um, however, and Wolverine was a guest star in it. And unfortunately, they put Wolverine on the cover of the book. He was like the only person on the cover. And fans bought it, assuming that they were buying a Wolverine graphic novel. And so <laughs> the fan complaints I got about that issue were all about... I thought I was getting the Wolverine graphic novel, and it turned out to be a New Mutants graphic novel with Wolverine guest starring, which, and it was a pretty good story, but I was expecting something else, you know, and I can't really blame the fans for getting too upset about that, because they thought they were getting one thing, and they got something else. But, you know, I hope they like the story. 
And uh, the one of the Wolverine projects that I worked on was when Marvel was doing its weekly, uh, its short-lived weekly book called Marvel Presents. And I did a storyline in which I introduced the character of Cyber. And that was a pretty trippy storyline. I worked with Sam Keith on that one. And the main thing I remember about that was that Twin Peaks was very popular around that time. And I wanted to do a story that had that kind of surreal feeling that Twin Peaks had. Right. So what I, so what I did was every time Sam needed a new chapter of that storyline, I would go to bed at my regular time, and then I would set my alarm clock for 3 o'clock in the morning. And I would get up at 3 in the morning, and I would write the next six pages, or however many pages it was of the story, in a, a purely kind of stream of consciousness <laughs> state of mind. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea where I was going with that story at all. Well. Um, and which is kind of amazing considering that the end actually ties the whole thing together, which I'm kind of impressed by to this day. And the funny thing was, you know, the story's going to be set in Montrepore. And I said to Sam Keith, is there anything in particular you'd like to draw? And he said, yeah, I really like there to, I really like to draw one of those 1950s style restaurants with waitresses on roller skates who come over and bring you your food. And I said, in Madripoor? And he <laughs> went, yeah. And I went, okay, anything else? And he said, I've always wanted to draw one of those big, you know, Wienermobile trucks. <laughs> and I went, you mean like the giant, the giant hot dog wiener on, on wheels? And he went, yeah. And I said, in Madripoor? <laughs> and he went, yeah. And I went, Okay, and both of those things are in the story. Yeah. Which, again, kind of impressed. But, you know, once again, if you want to write a story where it's pure stream of consciousness, just do what I do. Get up at 3 in the morning and write it. Okay, wow. <laughs> and, uh, that, yeah, that was a fairly entertaining story as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, Wolverine is just such a, an incredibly entertaining character. I mean, there's... There's so many ways you can play him. You can play him comedically. You can play him tragically. You can play him uh, as a straight-up horror thing. I mean, one one of the one-off issues of Wolverine that I did, I basically had it be a bunch of guys who... I did a classic horror film trope with a bunch of guys in a uh, forest running from some lunatic who is striking them down one by one except the lunatic in this story is Wolverine. So you're pretty <laughs> yeah. sure that they had it coming, but, now, you know, you're kind of curious as to why in God's name Wolverine is tracking these guys and cutting them down one by one. Yeah, I love that issue. You don't even see Wolverine until, like, the very end of it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. That's exactly right. Yeah, you, 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 hardly, you hardly see him at all. Um, he's, yeah, a, a really fun character. So what's your preference? Um, what... What style of writing Wolverine is is your go to, or do you have one? Do you prefer the funny or the horror? Oh no, I I, I just prefer telling good Wolverine stories. Yeah. I mean, whatever the type of story that that one is going to be, is what I want to write. I don't think about well, this one will be a funny Wolverine story. 
you know, I have to admit he doesn't necessarily lend himself to comedic stuff, but um, you know, he, yeah. he can he can be amusing. Um, I, I still remember. I think it was Claremont who had this sequence where it's Wolverine getting up in the morning and he's staring at the mirror and he starts doing stuff with his hair and he makes himself look like the Frank Miller Wolverine and then he just <laughs> like you know snows and shakes it off and the hair goes back to normal. Um, yeah, but uh, he, yeah, he he can be a tremendously entertaining character. But I mean, if you're doing w- humor with Wolverine, it's you can't do the same type of thing you do as Spider-Man with clever wordplay and throwaway sticks. Any humor with Wolverine is going to be pretty dark, and you know, I mean, I I, t- I tend to somebody asked, I forget who it was. I think I don't know if it was if they asked um, his creator or if they asked Barry Windsor Smith or whoever it was or Roy Thomas, but somebody asked the guy, "What would Conan think is funny?" Uh, yeah, and the response was, if Conan was on a march with some some people, and a soldier tripped and landed on his own sword, Conan would think that was hysterical. <laughs> yeah. and somebody actually drew a cover called Conan the Comedian that has that a guy on a guy forward on his sword impaled on it, and Conan is pointing and laughing his ass off. Wow. I think I think I think that Wolverine's sense of humor would be somewhat like that. Right. Yeah. For sure. Can you tell me a little bit about working with some of these artists that you worked with, like Gene Colan and, and John Buscema on Wolverine? Well, I mean, in in terms of working with the artists, there were, I mean, it's not like I called them up and said, you know, okay, I'm discussing the story with you. I mean, I worked I worked extensively with Sam Keith, as I told you, I worked with Todd McFarlane. Working with Gene Colan and, um, and, and John Buscema and Bill Sienkiewicz, for that matter, that was just a matter of me sitting down and writing the stories, and uh, the stories went off to the artists, and they drew it, and it came back to me, and I dialogued it at the end of the day. Um, the, the thing that I do remember is that Gene Colan was at a convention, and he gave me this beautiful uh, cover of uh, an issue of Doctor Strange, which is actually a with uh, Doctor Strange cover number 176, which is a really classic cover. It's mm-hmm. got uh, Clea being grabbed by an arm coming out of a, a grave, and Strange is behind her trying to intervene. And he autographed it to me and thanked me, you know, congratulated me on, on my writing skills. You know, when, when Gene Cohen gives you a classic cover like that, Wow. Um, and if congratulating you on your writing skills, you know, you feel you really accomplished some stuff. Yeah, definitely. So one of the main points, plot points in, well, it's not really a plot point, but one of the main things in the Gehenna Stone Affair is that you took Wolverine, or you brought Wolverine back into his classic costume, which at this point in his solo story, in his solo book, he was out of it. He had ditched it. Um, was, yeah. Was that a, was that a, your decision? It's like, come on, guys, let's just get him back into his costume. Oh, I have I have absolutely no recollection. Oh, okay, no problem. Um, if I if I, I I very much doubt that it was a request from editorial, because you know I, I generally remember requests from editorial. So I would tend to think that I just decided to put him back in the costume because you know what? What the hell? Why not? He's out on a superhero adventure. Let's put him in the classic costume and be done with it. Right. But uh, I, I I don't remember. You know, my thinking probably wasn't much more detailed beyond that. Um, I mean, the the the, the, I, what, the the main thing that I 
also remember is when he finds out that pretty much everybody knew that Patch was Wolverine. Yeah, that was which, a great moment. <laughs> There's some of the well, humor I mean, right there. I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, it was, I mean, you think Clark, I mean, at least Christopher Reeve convinced us that a pair of glasses can convince people that these are two different guys. Right. But this is Wolverine, and he's got an eye patch, and that's it. <laughs> and I, I just like the notion that everyone was afraid to say, yo, Wolverine, what's with the eye patch? Yeah. I mean, yep. because, you know, it's pretty well known that Wolverine is a homicidal lunatic. Um, so nobody wanted to be the one to go, dude, who do you think you're fooling? Because they were afraid that Wolverine would turn around and kill them. Yep, everyone's so everyone, just you know, going to play is, along. Yeah, and so everyone's going like, okay, his name is Patch, and we have to pretend that we don't know that he's Wolverine. <laughs> I'm down with that. Okay, Patch, how are you doing, Patch? I mean, that just made eminent sense to me. You know, and the thing that broke me up was that Wolverine was freaking surprised. You yeah. knew I was back? <laughs> you knew I was Wolverine? Of course we knew you were Logan, you idiot. You've done nothing to change your appearance other than having an eye patch, and your behavior is exactly the same. So, of course we all knew. I mean, he didn't even change his hair, for God's sake. Yeah, no kidding. But, yeah, the, I, so I remember coming up with that, and I got the editors to sign off on that, because I think the editors may have also thought that the whole patch thing was silly. But, you know, we're not going to argue with Chris when he set that up in the first place. So, right. okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, I, I remember that as being one of my, that was one of my favorite contributions, having everyone go like, yeah, fine, you're patch, okay. We all know you're Wolverine, but we're afraid to say anything. This story, Gehenna Stone, has it's just bizarre with uh, with vampires and biblical references yeah. and stuff. Just uh, yep. where does where does all that come from? Oh God, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, you know, it it was. I wanted to do. I wanted to basically do a biblical story. I wanted to do a story with the vampires that was bigger in concept than just your standard Night Stalker type thing. I wanted to give it this whole kind of you know biblical background. Um, and have Wolverine be this this um, predicted savior who is going to come in and save the day, which is why I have you know that scene at the end where he and the major and the vampire head are facing off against each other, and they're both channeling these these centuries old spirits of combat or something like that. Right. Um, how how I came up with it in particular, I honestly don't remember. It was you know twenty years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, if you don't remember that, well, you might not remember this. There is one joke that went over my head, and I just wanted some to to know what what the joke was. Um, during oh god, yep. Here we go. Uh, during the car chase issue, um, there is there is a guy, um, Bill Leibowitz. He is creating it or is uh, starting up a comic book store. And then yeah. the car crashes into the store, so yeah. Why did you put Bill into the into this into the story here? Oh, that was a funny thing. I don't remember why, but uh, Golden Apple got smashed up in several different comic books of mine. Um, it got smashed up in an issue of Incredible Hulk. It got smashed up in uh, Wolverine. It just became a running gag that oh. I thought was amusing. That every time the bill would start, I think I called it Golden Orange, though. Um, but yeah, but Bill Libowitz, do, do you know Bill? 
um, only by name. I mean, I I I looked. I had to look him up on online to, because I didn't know who he was. Yeah, Bill Leibowitz. Bill, yeah, Bill Leibowitz is a real guy. He passed away some years ago. Um, he ran a comic book store called Golden Apple Comics, uh, which I believe is still around in Los Angeles. And he also threw some of the best parties after the San Diego Comic Con that I've ever freaking been to. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah Bill. Bill was a Bill was a great friend. And um, and for some reason, I just thought it would be amusing to make him a running character in the comic book and keep smashing up his stores in various comic books of mine, which I haven't done in a good number of years. I mean, I don't think I've done it ever since Joe passed away because then it was no longer funny. Right. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame you for, you know, for not knowing what was going on with that. That was just... A purely personal thing in which I just kept smashing up his stores in different in different uh, in different comic books. I think he appreciated the attention. Oh, good. Well, um, I will make sure that I keep an eye out for those jokes when I'm reading old comics now. <laughs> okay. Um, were you brought on to do this story in Wolverine uh, just as a one-off uh, six-part story, or were you, yes. did you did you want to continue after that, or were you too busy with other stuff? Oh, no, they had they had other people. Well, I mean, if they'd asked me to continue with it, I sure I would have, but uh, um, they needed something to do the six issues, and I'm pretty sure that they had the, the ongoing writer already scheduled after that. This was just a six-issue gig, and I was perfectly happy with that. Oh, good. Well, it turned out really well. I, I just read it recently, and uh, yeah, it was a, oh, it's a great you. story. <laughs> Thanks. Just before we sign off, is there anything that you'd like to tell our listeners about what you're currently working on or uh, what's been recently released? Yes, absolutely. The they should buy Scar. They should buy Scarlet Spider, which is in the stores even as we speak. Yes, Scarlet Spider. That's right. How has it been working on that one? Oh, it's it's been tremendously entertaining. I've I've you know the more I work with Ben Riley, the more I love it. If for no other reason than I can tell Spider-Man stories that don't have to cross over with all the other Spider-Man books. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I can understand the draw of that. Um, now, you didn't work on Ben Riley back in the 90s, did you? No, I did not. So this is kind of your first go with that character? Yes, yes, and the character has changed very much from the uh, the original days. Right, right. Okay. Wow, this is great. Well, thank you very much for taking uh, a few minutes to talk with us. Not a problem. 